0: Hey, you're listening to Just Say the Word. I'm your host, Erin Sanchez, and this is a storytelling podcast. In every episode, you'll hear a story from me or my guests from around the world. Then we'll encapsulate a key lesson from that story in just one word you can apply in your own life or business. If you're an entrepreneur looking to get inspired and make your mark on the world, you're in the right place. Your story is your legacy, and I want to help you tell it better. Visit candidlyerin.com for more writing, communications, and personal branding advice. Hey everyone, today I have a very cool guest. I'm excited to share her story. I have Leanne Heil. She's a public speaking coach for high-level entrepreneurs. She helps successful business owners go bigger and get outrageously visible by going live on stage and getting into the media. Hey Leanne, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Hi, it's nice to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to share your story. Of course, I told you I was kind of stalking your Facebook page and read up on you, and then we had a few minutes to chat, but I'm curious to go deeper, and I'm super curious about, you know, what was your draw to the stage, and kind of how did you um, make your way to getting on stage?
1: Well, initially, when I went to college and I got, I got a degree in opera, I had a master's degree in theater, my original career choice was a stage director. Uh, production manager, casting director, that kind of thing. That was my career trajectory. And I started out my career as a stage director for a pretty big company uh, with big live stage shows, big, like think Vegas variety shows, Mm. big cast, big full band, you know, the whole shebang. And I really enjoyed that. I was very good at it. And I increased profits by like a lot, and my shows were very popular, and then I, I got married, and then I got pregnant, and my child, when he was born, he had an autism spectrum syndrome, it's called Asperger's syndrome, it's become a little bit more mainstream, it was not mainstream back then, mm-hmm. it's been 20 years, he's 20 years old, and uh, when I I had the baby, I realized that my career trajectory was going to have to change, because you can't really... <laughs> You can't serve uh, well as a mom for a special needs kid when you are constantly gone at night. And, mm-hmm. you know, being a director, you have to keep stage actor hours and that those hours kind of are like from 10 in the morning till maybe 11 o'clock at night. Um, there's not a room for your family. There's not room for being a mom. And I realized I had to do something different. I couldn't keep going in the, in the way that I was going, but I love the stage. so. I decided I was going to become an entrepreneur so that I could actually be a mom to him the way that he needed it, uh, to be able to take him to therapy and all the things that go along with that. And I became a copywriter for a while. I actually did costuming some. And then I decided I was going to form a band and a production company. So like a promotion production company, Entertainment LLC. And I formed a band. Um, We got pretty popular. And during my promotions, during my production time, we did a couple of albums. We actually got on to the Billboard Americana charts. We charted at number 39. We had radio play all over the United States and Europe. And we were pretty doing pretty well. We were pretty popular. Wow. Yeah. And it was going well. And then my bandmate got, uh, her husband got a job in London. And I'm from Austin. Our band it was based in Austin. Mm-hmm. and she and I were the band you know we were kind of like the voices for the band and I couldn't really continue with that and she was my partner in the LLC mm-hmm. and so we had to dissolve everything she moved to London and I was like what am I going to do now <laughs> and at the time my, my son was about to graduate from high school and I thought maybe I could go into coaching I really enjoy getting people on stage I remember how that felt when I was a director how it felt to take an actor kind of from point you know Zero to, you know, 10 and see the tangible transformation that occurred. And I had been public speaking on and off that whole time about. Either acting or music, or my son's uh, problems, his Asperger's, and had been, you know, been an advocate in, in the market. I'd actually been on stage 800 times, and wow. so I thought I really think I could do this. I think I could get people really visible with their brand. Obviously, I've been in Billboard, right? So I knew how to do this, and I was a really pretty good writer, so I knew how to write for promotions. And I thought maybe I could lend my expertise now in this later stage of my life, now that my son's grown. Maybe I could take this entrepreneurship and become a coach for people who really want to get into media, who want to become a public speaker, don't have the connections, don't know where to start, um, don't have you know, any, any place, really frame of reference of how this all works. You know, being an event planner first and then being on stage, being in, in media, all of those things have this kind of strange skill set that's mm-hmm. cool, but it's unusual. So I help people now get on stage. If they want to get on stage, we get them on stage. I show them how to sell. We, you know, look at podcasts so that they can help uh, book out their business through doing podcasts and get more clients, get more email addresses, that kind of thing. And then same thing for media, how to write to media, which outlets to pitch to so that you can up-level your business.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. It sounds like we have some like minor areas of crossover in what we do. But um, on the public speaking side, um, I'll have to follow your your guidance because I'm super scared of public speaking Um, Uh. on stage, like live on stage. I'm fine on video, all that. But um, yeah, and it is something that that has a draw to me. So, so I have a question for you. And first, um, I just wanted to define on stage, which is typically defined as being visible to an audience to be in the spotlight. And like I just said, that can be really scary for some people, yet also really exciting and enticing. So what would you tell somebody um, who might feel shy or scared of going on stage? Like, do you think that's still for them?
1: Uh, Yes. And the reason why I think that is because I think most people have this fear. So the number one public, you know, number one fear, right, of any person across the world is public speaking. Mm. It trumps everything. It trumps spiders, height, fear of, you know, enclosed spaces, all of those things. Most people have a little bit of trepidation going on stage. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons is because you're being seen. It's not just you being seen from the waist up, right? On a 2D live. Mm -hmm. It's not just being on a podcast where they're just hearing your voice. It's actually being seen like 3D. Mm-hmm. Your your whole body is being seen. And there's something about that that kind of works against our fight or flight response. And so one of the things I do with my clients is we go through kind of a process where we calm that part of our brain down. And a lot of times fear manifests itself the same physiological way that excitement does. When you think about being excited, let's say your kid's really excited to go to Disneyland, right? Mm-hmm they're, you know, they might, their pupils might be really dilated. They're smiling. They're maybe kind of shaking. It's like so exciting, right? That is the same physiological reaction you have to fear, right? Mm -hmm. You might be sweaty palmed. You might have your eyes might be dilated. You might be shaking a little bit. So reframing those fears to sort of read as excitement and kind of convincing yourself that that is actually what you're, feeling and experiencing, is a little bit of a trick,
2: mm-hmm. but there's,
1: there's a couple of ways that I handle that. There's a, like, if a, we do a fear dump, we talk about the worst case scenario of what might happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we start looking for proof that that's actually going to happen because it's happened in the past. Mm-hmm. So most people think I'm going to fall when I get up on stage. Mm-hmm. Have you fallen before? No. Do you fall in general, you know, <laughs> generally walking upstairs? No. So there's not really a lot of proof there, right? We go through all of the different scenarios and get them all out, and then you can move forward because you can see logically, right, that there's no basis for the fear. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, no, it does. I love that approach because I've heard before, um, just because I've I've looked into, you know, fear around public speaking, and I've heard that you know, excitement and and nerves can kind of show up the same way. But the steps that you just walked me through is a new, that's new to me. And I love that. Just thinking about, well, if it hasn't happened before, why do you think it's suddenly going to, you're suddenly going right. to be super clumsy and fall down? No, that's awesome. Right. I, yeah. I'm interested right. to learn more about your process for sure. Um, so sorry if I derailed you there, but uh, just kind of. No, no,
1: <laughs> we're just going off of whatever you want to ask.
0: Perfect. Um, so, okay. So back to your story. So I'm curious, you said in your band, um, you were a vocalist. Is that right? Do you play instruments or what kind of?
1: What I, did... I also wrote all the music. Okay. Um, I, cool. I play guitar, I play piano, and I've had, I've had experience doing albums before with kind of a hobby band before this band. And so I knew the process. I knew how it all was going to kind of shake out. I knew what we had to do in order to get visible and to get seen Uh, My bandmate was just a vocalist, but we traded off lead. So she would sing harmony, I would sing lead, and then we would switch. So the unique part of the band was this tight harmony um, on almost every song and switching off these. She was a really powerful vocalist, a higher voice. I had a lower voice. So pushed together, it was really, it was really unique. Mm -hmm. And that, that part of it, I couldn't really duplicate on my own. Right. I did some I did some solo work on my own, but it wasn't very fun. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Do I want to continue this? And I thought, Well, you know, maybe occasionally I do. I'm actually recording an album right now. I probably won't like market it, mm-hmm. but I was in the process of doing the album, and I thought I've got I've still got music out that I want to get out and get on to you know recording, um, for me, right, for my family, right, right. and for the people that have listened to me for years, probably will buy it, but I'm not going to market it. I'm not going to promote it. Um, but I, I still love music. I still love, you know, performing and I still love doing music. I, I substitute with bands. Some, um, but I'm not focused on that anymore. That's not my first love anymore mm-hmm. as it yeah. was.
0: Yeah. But I love that you still do that because this is something that, um, a friend of mine, um, we do sort of this marketing video series and we talked at one week about, um, being a multi-passionate because a lot of people get into, you know, they find their niche and they're, they're trying to, you know, create their whole personal brand and everything around this one thing, which I, I understand, you know, we want to definitely set ourselves up as, you know, the go-to expert in a space. But one thing that I think people kind of lose sight of is that if they are multi-passionate, which many entrepreneurs are, many creatives are, they can still pursue, those other things that they love doing, you don't have to say goodbye to it. You just find a different way to have it sort of exist in your life. Um, Are do you consider yourself a multi-passionate? Do you think that that's always going to be something you're kind of exploring different hobbies and things
1: that you do outside? Uh, My husband says I have, my husband says I have too many hobbies. So yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. But you know, there, there was a point to where I was like trying to get into different kinds of things. When my son was little, I was, you know, experimenting with different things. And I, I loved to sew at the time. So I was sewing these big Renaissance costumes for Shakespearean shows mm. and, and it was really fun. And then there came a point to where I just kind of got tired of it. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that anymore. I could, if I need, if you needed a gown for a Renaissance ball, I can make you one,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> but
1: I don't really want to do that anymore. Right. So there are kind of, there's kind of stages in your life where you get into things and then you really enjoy it. And it has a season. And it's okay to move on to now something else. If there's something else you're passionate about, there's no reason why you have to stay stuck in that arena, right? Mm -hmm. I started out as a stage director. Then I went and became a band member. And then I opened up an LLC promotion company. And I was a copywriter. I was a costume designer. There's no reason why you have to kind of, you know, stick with one thing your whole life. You know, I've picked this one area and this is all I can do. You know, you kind of have to give yourself a little bit of freedom to either reinvent or change as you change.
0: Yeah, I think that's super important um, advice and wisdom there for people to think about, especially when they're first starting out. One of the things I think people get hung up on is, well, I have to pick this, this niche and this thing that I'm going to become an expert in and I have to do it for the rest of my life. So then they kind of don't throw themselves into it because they, they're like, well, I have all these other interests too. So I think it's really important, like you said, to know that you can do something right now. And then just like you've done, cause a lot of what you've done, you said you have this unique set of skills, but they're related, right? Like one kind of would grow, like all of the things that you're talking about, I see the threads that kind of connect it and how you've been able to leverage one thing to do the next. So I love that you shared that. Thank you. Thanks. So, um, Tell me, because I'm I'm hearing something recurring with your um, with your stories, and I kind of want to like dive into that a little bit deeper. Is you've followed? Oh, maybe this. I'll ask you instead of, <laughs> instead of stating it. Have you? Do you feel like you've followed the things that call to you for? Because you've used the word fun, right? Like things that you want to do, things that are fun. Where do you kind of? Uh, I guess what would your advice be to people who? Like, should they follow the fun? Should they follow the thing that they're just like, this
1: is what I want to do right now? Is that what you feel like you've done? Um, I think it depends on, you know, I think it depends on your business, right? Your business needs to make money, right? Mm-hmm. So you have you have two elements that's going on here. You've got a business that has to make money. So you need a market for whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So whether, if you if you have something that you really, really enjoy, right? And you can turn it into a business, then yeah i'd i'd say follow that right mm-hmm. i always tell my clients what feels fun to talk about what feels fun to sell mm-hmm. and what will also coincide with the problem you can solve
2: mm-hmm. so
1: there's it's not just about fun because fun it, fun does make a difference in how you live your life and how fulfilled you feel mm-hmm. um, but there's also some hard work involved and sometimes things don't you know sometimes music was not real fun honestly sometimes when you're <laughs> playing to empty rooms at times right that's not fun to, to look out and be demoralized because you've been paid to be at this venue, but nobody's there, right? You couldn't get anybody there. You invited people, they didn't show up. Or you've got, maybe you've, got, uh, you've hired someone and they didn't turn out the way that you needed them to turn out as a musician, but you're stuck for the performance. <laughs> you're literally stuck. Mm. You, you're stuck with them. So that part of things, you know there there's parts of things that are fun and parts of things that aren't. I think when you only pursue the fun, then you've got you're going to have issues with your business because sometimes things are going to be hard. If you pursue the fun in your personal life, I think that's a different thing. Hobbies right. are hobbies are different. Right. When you're pursuing your business, there's going to be fun times and there's going to be hard times. And you have to balance the two by knowing that if this is really your calling and there is a market for it, that it will work right? You're mm-hmm. going to have to count on yourself and count on your discipline and perseverance so it works and, and do it for long enough to make sure that you've tried it, right? Yeah. But I do see people kind of jumping around, and I don't want to say that everybody needs to jump around. I spent, you know, five years as a copywriter. I spent mm-hmm. five years as a costumer. I've been working for, you know, 30, 30 years now. So, my jumping around wasn't just jumping around like from month to month, right? It was like over time. So yes, you don't have to stick with one thing your whole life. You should go ahead and niche down. If you're a business, go ahead and niche to something that you enjoy right now. That is a problem for your market that you can solve. If you need to change it, you can, but stick with something long enough that it has a chance to take hold. Mm -hmm. That would be another thing that I would say because When you're learning a musical instrument, and I didn't start learning the guitar until I was 24 years old. When you're starting to learn an instrument, you suck Mm -hmm. for the first you know year, you're not good, you're a beginner. And after a while, you know, you have to stick with it. I didn't expect to be Eric Clapton or Prince in the first five days. I stank, Mm -hmm. I wasn't very good. I got better over time. Now I've been playing guitar for 25 years, but at the time, I didn't, I wasn't any good, but if I hadn't stuck with it, right, I never would have been any good. So whatever niche you have, I would just stick with it long enough know, make sure it is something that you enjoy. But stick with it long enough that it has time to take hold. Yeah, no,
0: that I absolutely agree. and I think that's such wonderful advice because it, it's funny how when people are just getting started in business, I think and I'm speaking for myself back when I first started too, it's like you expect it to work right away and there to be all these signs that it's working and everything. But if we were to, like your analogy, learn an instrument, or for me, I've thought about before learning a new language, why we don't expect to learn those things overnight, you know, Uh, so it's no different for business. So I'm super glad you brought that up. in it's sort of jumping off that same thought, so when you are persevering, say it's that, you know, six months or that first year or whatever, um, where you're like testing and figuring out what's going to work, what works, for, what has worked for you or what, what works for your clients maybe to, um, to stick with it and persevere through those tough times, through those hard times? What are some of the things that gets you through or gets your clients through?
1: Well, you have to decide, right? If you're going to get on stage, you have to decide you're going to get on stage. There's not any, I'm going to maybe try, you either are or you aren't, right? Mm -hmm. It's a pretty easily definable situation. If you're on stage or you're not, are you on a podcast or are you not? Are you in a media outlet or are you not? Um, It's not like a mindset coach you can work with for six months and she's just kind of, you know, helping you through Mm -hmm. overcoming your fears this is kind of a tangible um, outcome. My sure. coaching is it has a tangible outcome. And it's not that life coaches or mindset coaches don't have a tangible outcome too. It's just not as apparent. It's mm-hmm. not as physical, right? Um, so commitment to your business. Now, you know, actually say to yourself, I'm going to give this everything I've got and not fit it around my, the rest of my life. I'm going to give my business 25 to 30 hours a week, dedicated time, uninterrupted. You know, I'm not going to do laundry in the middle of the day. I'm not going to go for and get my hair done. I'm not going to go grocery shopping. That's not having a business, right? So I always tell my clients, if you're the CEO of your business and you're going to be speaking to your people, if you're the CEO and you're speaking to your people in the audience, doesn't it make sense for a CEO to keep CEO hours? hmm Doesn't it make sense to really commit and make a decision to commit um, and actually do it? Because what I see a lot, and this is not necessarily my clients, but I see this um, happening a lot in beginning coaches is that you you are now working for yourself and there's no more deadlines, right? Mm -hmm. There's no more boss saying you have to have this project done by such and such date. You know, when I got out of the stage show business, that had a deadline. It, we sold tickets to shows, and the shows went up whether we were ready or not. There mm-hmm. wasn't do over. There wasn't. I'm so tired today. I think I'm just gonna rest. We didn't take you know naps. <laughs> we we actually had to do the show. Mm-hmm. So same thing for our businesses. I see a lot of people when they're first starting, or maybe their first couple of years. They're like, why is this not working? Why is this not working? Either it's not working because your offer is not really clear. Or it's not working because you're not really working it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's usually one of those two.
2: Yeah. No, <laughs> and, I agree. And,
1: yeah, and and that's a it's kind of a pervasive problem in the coaching industry because we are seeing high level coaches saying it gets to be easy, it gets to be easy, mm. it gets to be easy. And yes, it gets to be easier, but there is a certain amount of work that goes into it um, that we're not we're skipping right. We're skipping the step. And we think it's just going to be a magical fairyland. We're going to come in and sweep in.
0: You're speaking my language because I've I've gone on that rant before, you know. Um, Things can be easy or they can feel easier if you are really aligned, maybe it's easier to sit your butt in the chair, you know, and do the work than it would be to go sit your butt in the chair at an office, you know, job that you hate or whatever. But there's so much, um, it's such a subjective thing to say it gets to be easy. And I think people pick it up you know, they receive it, whether it's intended that way or not. Sometimes I do think it's intended that way as, Oh, now my life is just like you said, this magical fairyland and everything's Mm -hmm. going to be so easy. And I'm going to just bring in money with, you know, sitting
1: down and and journaling about it or whatever. Yes, Um, Yeah. So, So, you know, your business is going to reward you for action that you take. Mm -hmm. So the more action you take aligned and correct and strategic action, I'm not just saying action, just if people go and they start a blog or they, you know, they, go over, or they're going to go to Pinterest, or they're going to do this, they try all these things. And if you don't have clients, right, you need to be getting clients, that should be number one priority. And how you mm-hmm. get clients is you talk to more people, you have to talk to a lot of people to get clients, you have to get very visible to get clients. So that's always the first step. And I think people are, it's, it's almost like when you have a car, you get in the car, it's a race car or something, there does have to be a lot of fuel for the first little bit to get yourself going Mm
2: -hmm. like
1: I have it my car reads you can see what kind of mileage you're getting as you drive down the road so when I'm first taking off from a stoplight the mileage is like 12 miles per gallon because I'm having to give it so much gas Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of power to get something started but once you're going along sometimes I'll kind of take my foot off and I'm coasting I'm getting 99 miles per gallon. Mm Does that make sense? So, Totally, yeah. I think when people are first starting, and I think that's you know, mostly your, your audience, when you're first starting, maybe getting on stage might be really intimidating, right? That's too much to go. That's like from zero to 60. Mm-hmm. So if you're just now getting in your car and you're starting it up, it's going to be more work for you to get it started. But then after a while, it does get to be easier. There's not going to be as much fuel you'll have to put into it. It will start going and multiplying your, your efforts, almost like your efforts is all kind of on the front end um, to where things start multiplying. Now you have the opportunity. You can go get on stage and really expand your message, expand your audience, but you have to have an audience to begin with.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: it's, so it's the I always, yeah, yeah. So I always tell people it does get to be easy er, but you do have to do the work to make it to that point. Mm-hmm. And it is just like a car. If you're going up a hill in a car, you're gonna have to give it a lot of gas. It's gonna have to have a lot of torque and tension on the road. It's work for your car. Mm-hmm. If your car's not in good shape, it's gonna sputter and die. Yeah. Or you could just say, you know, I don't want to get up this hill. I'm just gonna turn the car off, and take a nap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or you can you know, you can make the effort, get your car up the hill, and then once you get up the hill, it probably will be easier to coast down the hill and mm-hmm. not take as much gas, torque traction tension
0: yeah i this is super important conversation I think to have and for people to hear because another misconception is i think and and this is just me you know hypothesizing i don't know, but you know a lot of the people who are the coaching industry is it's kind of everywhere right now, right, like everybody's joining in it's everybody's a coach, and that's fine, but um I think like the people who are saying it gets to be easy and everything are kind of overlooking, or maybe the people who are on the receiving end of the message aren't really taking into consideration that the really big names, the really successful people out there um, who are industry leaders and thought leaders, I bet you. I mean, I know. I watch their stuff. They're still working really hard, right? They've done yes. a lot of that building yes. up front and they're still out there working really hard. Um so yes. they're not just like sit, you know resting on their laurels. Um I'm thinking like Amy Porterfield and you know Jasmine Starr and some of those um you know social media and course uh, yes. they're still working their butts off, you know. So And they're
1: spending a lot of money too. You have to you have yes. to think too. Do you want to spend money? Or do you want to spend time? Mm-hmm. So you can spend a lot of money on your business. You can dump thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in ads. Google ads, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, mm-hmm. even you know, LinkedIn is probably gonna start it. So mm-hmm. you can do ads and you can shortcut things, but I don't I don't know where many people that start a coaching business with three or four hundred thousand dollars extra laying around mm-hmm. to put into ads, right? Amy Porterfield is spending a lot of money on ads to be able oh, yeah. to maintain those sales, their expenses, you know, as you go through, the expenses get higher as you move up the chain. Mm
2: -hmm. But like
1: Gary Vanderchuck, he, he recommended the other day that you should be having a hundred pieces of content a day. You should be creating a hundred pieces of content a day. Oh my God. And I thought that's ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. So I mean, he's working 14, 15 hour days. He's going to die early, an early death. I'm not, I'm sorry, Gary Vanderchuk if you're <laughs> listening to this, but there's no <laughs> way you can possibly, you cannot possibly maintain that no. for a lifetime. No. And you, if you are starting a, a business because you want freedom, why would you then exchange that freedom for a chain to this new thing that's going to just weigh you down? and make you have to work 14 hour days. Mm-hmm. So what I always tell my clients is if you want to scale, but I think that's why the stage is so brilliant, because you can sell your products from the stage at a live event, so much easier than getting out with you'd have to do so many Facebook ads to get the kind of credibility, validity, trust built that you could with one stage event.
2: Mm-hmm. So as
1: people are moving through their business, and maybe if you're in the Second or third year, and you're like, I really do think I want to get on stage. You mm-hmm. could start small. You could start with podcasts. You could get a freebie, so you could get people's email addresses in or get people to join your group online. Um, I had, I think, I had something like 30 people join my group today from another podcast that I did.
0: Wow!
1: And fa- on Facebook, mm-hmm. and you know, you you can multiply your audience with speaking engagements. It doesn't have to be on stage like a live event yet. Mm -hmm. If that's way too intimidating, then start smaller, do online summits, do podcasts, get, you know, start doing lives. And, and even if you're really intimidated, I always tell clients that if you are starting out and you really want to get on stage, but you're super intimidated, you can set your live stream to only me. You do it on your personal Facebook page, Mm -hmm. you go onto your profile, you click live event, and then you can, you can pick the privacy and you just select only me and you do your live. And then you do it again. And then you do it again until you start getting really comfortable. And then you can start maybe doing it to a group, like a small group. So, you know, someplace really support it. And then, you know, graduate up and now do a live to a bigger group. So you don't have to start out on date with destiny stage, right? Mm -hmm. You can start out wherever you are. And there's no reason why you can't because a lot of introverts do. A lot of introverts a lot of coaches are introverts mm-hmm. so there's no reason why just because you're an introvert or shy doesn't mean you will always be that way right you can make a choice to make to make it different and mm. you <laughs> one of my people in my group she went live one day and she'd never gone live before and she she messaged me and she said Leanne I didn't die it's a good <laughs> <Yeah>. day <laughs> like yes yeah, she didn't die so you want to die and and it actually is easier than you think um and so I would just suggest start, you know, start where you are, because I do think that the live events and any kind of live event you do, whether it's a webinar online, um, whether it's a summit, whether it's a podcast, any of those things, build trust with your audience faster than you posting, posting, posting on social media.
0: Mm-hmm. It's I like
1: me- agree with that. Yeah. Me- media in general is such great social proof.
2: Mm-hmm. If you're
1: going to hire a coach and they have entrepreneur down at the bottom on their as in. And there's another coach that's just like, looks like a beginner. Yeah. You know, which one has more validity? Mm -hmm. Even if both have great testimonials, which one's the better? I know which one I choose.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, no, same here. Those are some of the first things that I look for when I'm looking at, you know, vetting anyone for anything, really. Um, And I love that you talked about going live just to yourself because I, I have literally done that, right? Because when I first started... You know, getting on video, I was super, super nervous about it because I felt like that same feeling of getting it wasn't it's not recorded. I can't go edit, I can't think things through. I can't restart right It's live. people are watching you, so I don't know how many times I sat in front of that you know go live button and just was like in cold sweat. but once right. I started doing it for myself and realizing exactly the same questions that you said way earlier in the the show was. What's the worst that could happen? And I would go through that like until it was to the point where it was just ridiculous. It's like, well, that's not going to happen. The worst that could happen is you stumble over your words, you pick yourself up, you restart the sentence. Who cares? So somebody right. judges you. Right. Probably not anyway. Right. You know, that's just so. No, that's great advice. I'm so glad that you mentioned that people should definitely know about that privacy setting and just get comfortable seeing themselves in front of the camera the more they do it. I think the more comfortable you get with seeing yourself and hearing yourself and all that. Um,
1: and none great. of us like how we look. Right. I look at myself and I think, I have jowls. I mean, <laughs> I don't look like I, because I, a lot of these coaches are 20 years old. I'm 51 yes. years old. You know, so I look and I think, man, I got a wrinkle here. I got, you know, <laughs> my neck sagging. I'm like, well, I'm just, that does not look good. And then I'll get comments like, oh, you're so pretty. I'm like, what what are you, who are you looking at? You know, <laughs> that's not me. That's somebody else. But I saw I, your I also, pictures. You look great. Well, <laughs> I, I also I I, uh, I I think a lot of it's you know lighting. But um, the, the, uh, I I do have just another kind of tip. Mm-hmm. If, if you're going to go on live stream, you know, do shorter live streams. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you think I got to do 30 minutes. What am I going to talk about for 30 minutes? Right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: People aren't going to watch 30 minutes of live stream anyway, unless you have a giant audience and they are riveted by your topic Mm -hmm. just do a short live stream it can just be something as hey I you know I just wanted to introduce myself again I haven't introduced myself over video my name is so-and-so this is what I do I look forward to getting to know you guys Uh, I hope you know if you'd like to reach out let's have a conversation it can be something that simple Mm
2: -hmm.
1: or if you want to do longer one of my clients was like why why are your live streams so good like well I've been speaking for 30 years number one but number (laughs) two is I rehearse." I rehearse mm-hmm. my live streams before I do them. Literally, I go through the whole thing a couple of times oh, I before that. I go online. And what happens is you work out all the transitions where you might forget your words, right? Mm-hmm. You work out what that's going to look like. Now, it doesn't it's not exactly because I don't have a script. Of course, but I'm I'm using points. And I'm just kind of, you know, I'm using my points. If I get lost, I have some notes um but I'm, I'm not going just blind, blind.
2: Right? right.
1: And she said, well, that's why your live streams are so good. I'm like, yeah, because anytime you practice something, you're going to get better at it and people don't take the time to do that. They just mm-hmm. think I'm going to hurry and get this live done. And you know, y- you have an extra 15 minutes, right. honestly. Yeah. Also I know I, I see they're like, I'm binging on Netflix. <laughs> on, the on Netflix, you can practice your live streams before yes. you go on, especially if they're short. So make them just be one or two points, one or two takeaways. It doesn't have to be this long 60-minute session. People aren't watching those anyway. You can make it less than 10 minutes, have a couple of takeaways, and people can start getting to know you in a way that they won't be able to know you just through posts.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful advice. I think a lot of us do get caught up and I I mean, I'll add myself into that, that grouping of, oh, I have to have this big presentation webinar style live and it's just absolutely not true. Just pop on there and get to know your audience.
1: Yeah. People aren't really watching those Mm -mm. anyway. Honestly, (laughs) if it's longer than 30, like at about 15 minute mark, if it's not really engrossing, I'm gone.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Yeah, totally. Some I Now our attention spans are getting so much shorter. I see a video and I'm like, five whole minutes. <laughs> like uh, Maybe it was like,
1: three. <laughs> three minutes. Three yeah. minutes, five minutes, <laughs> less than five minutes. If you've got a really compelling and you've been advertising it all week, like I do one live stream a week that in my group that, um, that's pretty compelling to my audience because it's all about getting on stage. So I might do something like what event planners are looking for when you pitch to them. Mm-hmm. And so that might be a 15 minute video, mm-hmm. right? But that's a specific thing for a specific audience I'm actually promoting. Yeah. So you don't have to go that long or if you have a subject that people are really interested in, you can totally go that long. Mm-hmm. I would just make sure that it's really dialed in and not fluffy and you're not all over the place. Cause that's hard to watch too. Yeah. So just rehearse. If you'll yeah. rehearse, you'll fix all of that.
0: Now I love that. That's great advice. I think that's hopefully will, and I think it will shift some people's thinking around how to approach live streams in um, several ways. So that's awesome. This has been so, so inspirational for me too. I'm just like taking notes over here, but um, can I ask you one more quick question that I think people will want to know, which is you mentioned earlier, like you can sell from stage, right? Whether it's like on a live stage or whatever. So, so that people know that speaking is for them What are a couple of things that people can sell? For example, I mean, books is an obvious one.
1: I know a lot of speakers do that. But what else can people sell from stage? Well, this is the way I form my coaching programs. Um, When I'm working with a client, I take their proprietary method, whatever their transformational method they use on their clients, whether Mm -hmm. they're a relationship coach or um, I talked to a guy this morning. He's a a get-out-of-debt, like a mortgage help help um, get get relieve your debt person Mm -hmm. and whatever their programs are that they're selling the highest ticket program that you have whether it's 2k or 10k or 20k whatever it is you can sell that program through your speech in a way that your audience doesn't realize Mm. so you know people think all i can do is just i can sell my book afterwards but how, how else can i maximize this stage appearance The way that people maximize their stage appearances and the way to scale from stage is not just getting a speaker fee. It's being able to craft your speech around your proprietary method, give your audience a couple of wins that they can do on their own, give them a taste of what you can do, and make it a no-brainer that you are the problem solver they have always been looking for. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. So. It, whatever your your business is, let's say you're a weight loss expert, you help people lose weight without dieting. You give them, you'll talk about your story. It's usually your personal story is usually the most compelling. There'll be a, a few stories in between. but in that speech, there's going to be several parts where you're gonna relieve like almost relieve a little bit of their problem immediately. Mm-hmm. So they get a quick win. Once they get that win, they're going to come back to the back of the stage. And I have a technique I use so that people will actually come back and talk to you, Um, but I teach my clients. And once they come back and talk to you, you can either get their email address, you can book them on the spot, you can book them into a sales call, or you can downsell them into a program, like a group program or a course, in addition to your book, Mm -hmm. if you have a book. So that's how you make money from stage. People mm-hmm. think I just got to get. I just got to charge your speaker fee. Those those are few and far between. You can have your own event and have ten people there and sell four of them into your high end program.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, that's four great. clients a month at five k. Um, you know, a client. <laughs> Would that change your business? Yes. Right.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. That's. Uh, this is. There's so much value here, Leanne. I hope that. Um, I I genuinely. I should have said this up front. Like, get a notebook, Get a pen because. I feel like you've shared so much here that people can take away and get some of those, you know, early quick wins on their own. But if they do want to get to know you better, if they want to potentially work with you, how can people reach out? What do you want to, um, how do you want people to connect with you? And do you have anything else you'd like to promote or plug?
1: I have a Facebook group that I'm in all the time. It's a place I mostly hang out It's called Onstage Power Entrepreneurs. Okay, and I can give. I'll send you the link so you can put it in the notes. And uh, that is mostly where I am. And I do a lot of just talking over Messenger with people. So once you're in the group, if you'll give me a friend request, let's talk. Let's talk about your business, where you want to go, what you want to do with the stage. Um, I've got a website you can go to. It's a whole lot easier to just contact me over Facebook. Uh, Mm -hmm. But if they want to go to my website, it's LeighannHeil.com. L-e-i-g-h-a-n-n, H-e-i-l. Perfect.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Leanne. I'm going to put the Facebook group and um, any of your social links that you want to send me and your website in the show notes. So if you guys want to go check out what Leanne has to offer and connect with her and um, join her group, which sounds like a no brainer, then you can find the links there. And Leanne, thank you so, so much for spending um, your valuable time with me today. I really appreciated having you on. Stay here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe and tell your friends. If you want to learn better branding and communication skills or more about this podcast, please visit www.CandidlyAaron.com or just say the word podcast.com. You can also find me everywhere on social media at CandidlyAaron.com. And make sure to use the hashtag JustSayTheWord in your social media posts so I can see your stories of resilience, transformation, and lessons learned because your story matters. Remember, your story is your legacy. Everybody has a story and the world should hear yours.